what's the OnlyFans link? Uh, still, still working on it. Good morning from Socialist Melbourne. Melbourne, Melbourne, unlike one of the children of the Spice Girls who was Melbourne. So, yeah, you'll be fine. What do you need to watch me chat for an hour? No, I think not. And I'm having a bad hair day, so I clearly can't put video on because I'm a cam girl. So, yeah, good afternoon, Julie. Good afternoon, FreeRx. Hello, James. Hello, Professora. Hello, RoboBeast. Hello, hello, Mog. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You want to hit me with a question, or shall I just go on a chatty, chatty, ranty, rant? You just let me know. Hello, Learner Bear. Hello, hello. And, uh, well, I guess while I wait... Oh, let's see here. You said that charisma comes from a lack of identity. Can you please expand on that? I could. Yes, yes, I could. So charisma is when you want to charm people. And when you charm people, you're in hunting the false self mode, right? So if you have self-confidence, self-assurance, you know who you are, you're really difficult to charm because anyone who tries to charm you comes across as looking about as credible as someone who's doing snake charming in some back alley in Calcutta. So if you have a solid sense of who you are, then it's really tough to find those false self hopes that lead to charisma. And charisma, in a sense, is a form of demonic possession. It is a way of replacing people's free will with promised approval and punishment, the approval being the person is going to give you the thumbs up like that slow nodding Bob uh, Robert Redford meme, you know, where he's got the, the beer. I had no idea that was Robert Redford, by the way, but that slow nodding Robert, that, yeah, thumbs up, approval. Appro I've given you my approval. Now, the only thing that is desperate for the approval of others is the false self, and the false self is what you have to replace your authentic experience with in order to appease abusers when you're a little boy or a little girl. You have to appease in order to survive. You call the appeasement getting along, going along, being nice, being pleasant, being polite, uh, being agreeable, whatever you, you, you want to come up with, whatever nonsense you want to come up with, you'll, you'll put that stuff up. And the moment that you make, the, the false self is not conformity to abuse. The false self is conformity to abuse that justifies itself as a moral action, right? So if you're threatened, if you're bullied, and you decide to conform, which may be a perfectly wise and sensible survival strategy when you're a child, that's not the false self, right? Being bullied, being the result. You know, the false self is when you turn your compliance into a moral virtue. That's when you lose yourself, right? Uh, it, when you love Big Brother, right? That's the end of 1984, right? Written in 1948. He just reversed the, the numbers. But the false self is when he, you love Big Brother. If you pay your taxes, as you should, as I do, if you pay your taxes, it's because there's violence if you don't, right? So you pay your taxes. But if you say uh, paying your taxes is a civilized and wonderful and virtuous thing, and if we didn't pay our taxes, we wouldn't have any roads or hospitals, and, and I care about people, like, that's the false self, right? That's, that's the false self. Now, the more structured, rigid, and sadistic the abuse that you experience as a child is, if you experience abuse, the more likely you are to end up with a false self. I did have the great good fortune, relatively speaking, to grow up in a home where the abuse was very inconsistent was random. And, uh, you know, my mom would get so mad at me, she'd ground me and then she'd say, 
that evening. Let's go for a movie together because I'm bored, right? And so we'd go and see, uh, I don't know, what's that Scott Bauer movie with where, where Bugsy Malone, where they shot cream pies instead of bullets. Anyway, so charisma is when someone comes along, recognizes your false self, that views conformity as a moral good, views subjugation to power as a moral good, and takes smug, self-satisfied, virtue-signaling pride in subjecting yourself to the abuses and betrayals and manipulations of those in negative power over you, and says, yay, right? So the key is the charisma-seeking. The lock that it goes into, so to speak, is you saying that conformity is a virtue. Subjugation is a virtue. Agreeing with people is a virtue. You know, my basic belief is, well, I could agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. And so charisma is when you are sniffing out somebody's false self. You are offering it wild approval based upon envy, right? You have to envy the person who, in order for the person to have charisma, right? And so it's somebody who's looking to take you over to possess your free will. They do that by presenting themselves as somebody worthy of envy. And then they trigger your internal script that says conformity to threats or promises is a virtue. And then they own you and off you go, right? That's, that's kind of how it works. All right. Let's see here. Tech rant. Yeah, it's kind of funny, right? So I tried a different browser. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, so I shut that machine down. And then I started this uh, new machine that I have. It's, it's a very nice Ryzen with a second screen because sometimes I'm not at home and I need to have a second screen, sometimes a live stream. And I tried a recording piece of software that captures the video because it's the only way I can get dual channel recording, like audio, system sound, and, and, and um, microphone. And uh, it wouldn't initialize the codec when I had to do the CPU thing. So then I switched it to NVIDIA encoding because there's two chips in here, right? And then it wouldn't initialize that codec. So I switched it to AMD and then it, it, it froze the computer and rebooted it and had to check the hard drive for errors. So yeah, that's just the way it goes. So what can I tell you? I'm trying not to let it uh, bother me uh, so much anymore. So hello, Dog Bites Potato. Nice to meet you. Uh, Bitcoin is going to drop to sub 30K once more before we moon. Don't go long yet. Well, that's, I guess, uh, somebody's... Uh, I've got a friend threatening to quit writing. Feel like they're trying to manipulate me, but can't figure out the angle. Should I confront? Sure, if you care about the person, you should always confront the people you care about, just as they should confront you. Like, I mean, should you confront people? Well, that's like saying your blind wife is about to wander into traffic. Should I stop her? Well, yeah, of course you should confront people. I mean, if you listen to this show, I, I do it all the time. If it's any consolation, I confront myself all the time as well. So uh, it's honestly... Uh, arrived at, I think. So yeah, you should confront. Uh, most, most times people will threaten to quit something because they're not getting enough positive feedback and um, do never, never be bullied into providing positive feedback uh, because all you're doing is rewarding someone for bullying you. So if uh, somebody says, Ugh, you know, I suck at writing, I should just quit. Well, you can talk to them, right? And say, yeah, you know, well, maybe, look, that's a viable option. To quit writing is a viable option. <laughs> and it may be a very wise option. It may be a very wise option to quit writing. Because writing is very tough. 
and writing to like trying to get published now in a publishing industry dominated by nutso leftists, socialists, communists, you name it, to succeed is to fail. Like they're only going to let the poison through. They're only going to let what's destructive through. They're never going to let anything that's positive through. Uh, publishing success in the mainstream, uh, for the most part, with some, I mean, particularly in the arena of fiction. In, in America, there's a big and robust market for uh, conservative, a little bit more sensible kind of kind of media in many ways. But uh, if you can self-publish, if you can get your work out there on the internet and find a way to monetize it that way, that's fine. But if you're trying to go through the traditional publishing route, you know, I, I wrote this unbelievably fantastic novel. I mean, you know, it's funny because I will occasionally record myself singing something. And I listen back and I'm like, yeah, that's okay. It's all right. It's not too terrible. You know, like it's a seven out of 10 on the singing scale. Not, not too bad. But um, when I listen back, uh, as, as I have listened to my audiobook of almost the novel I wrote 20 years ago or so, I listened back to that, or I, when I was reading it, I was like, God, this is even better than I remember. This is like I was really at the height of my creative powers at that time, which sort of early 30s tends to be the case. And this, uh, one of the best novels, I truly believe this, one of the best novels ever written, one of the best novels ever written. Not just one of my best novels, not just a best historical novel. I'm telling, in my opinion, right, my opinion, uh, I, I strongly believe this, and I'm tried to be objective and the, the fact that the love novel has made people laugh and 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 cry and and think deeply and and examine their histories and understand history a little better so why would such a great novel i mean that should be the miniseries not this psychotic weird rape fetish victim complex crap um which is the uh, margaret atwood stuff that's uh, out there the handmaid's tale Oh, man, that stuff is completely psycho. Yeah, I mean, almost should be the miniseries, but it's not. And my novels were so unbelievably well-reviewed by the people who evaluated them. They were like, these. this is the like another one of my novels. This this is the great Canadian novel. It was said, like, finally, we have the great Canadian novel. And, um, and yet would never be published. And the funny thing is, is that the people who read them never said they weren't great. They just loathed them. Right, the people who like the people in the publishing industry who read my work, absolutely like weird psycho loathing of what I had written, and of course it's you know largely because it's anti-collectivist, anti-communist, and um, exposes abuse. Right, so that's sort of the things that I have written about. So yeah, it's well worth confronting it. But uh, for me, if I had continued to write, I, I did, um, all, almost was the last novel that I completed. And I think it was my sixth or seventh novel. And if I had kept going, oh, man, no, it would have been brutal. It would have been brutal. So, yeah, it's really, really important to know know when to hold them, know when to fold them, right? So when your enemies are overwhelming in power, you, you have to fight a sort of rear guard, nip at the heels, guerrilla war, right? And, and that's culturally sort of what we're working at at the moment. So uh, let's see here. Oh, somebody else had a question. Let me see here. Where does I'm not like other girls syndrome come from? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not like other girls is a way of differentiating yourself from traditional femininity. Now, traditional femininity used to be 
you know, nurturing and caring and supporting and running households and raising children and maintaining culture and transmitting values. And, you know, women were the spine and bedrock of the morality in society, which is when you, uh, which is why you, you want to drive the acid rock Indiana Jones whip pile driver into the hearts of women in order to take down an entire culture. You, you, you destroy the women and you destroy the culture because women are the transmitters of culture. And what you do is you say to women that the fact that they play um, a complementary role, men will often create values, but women transmit values, right? So men create values, women transmit values to children. That's, that's the deal. That's the way it works. And they say, well, you're not allowed to create values as much as men are. It's like, yeah, but, but men only create values because women transmit values. Like why do people have, why do men have such nihilism, right? There's that Wojak thing, the, the, um, the feel when no girlfriend stuff. Why is, why have men become so nihilistic? Because women have simply refused to transmit values. So what the hell is the point of creating values if women aren't going to transmit them? Sort of pointless, right? Sort of pointless. So uh, that is, uh, so I'm not like other girls. There was this famous, gosh, what was it? Um, this famous thing that came out of Gone Girl. I was really struck by it when uh, it, it came up. And let me just see if I can uh, find it here. Uh, uh, so in Gone Girl, uh, there was a uh, there was a passage. I'm going to see if I can. Uh, that she was a cool girl or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you be a cool girl, right? So this is a, a speech from the uh, Gillian Flynn's 2012 novel, Gone Girl. Not a very good story, but you know. So um, men always say that as the defining compliment, don't they? She's a cool girl. Being the cool girl means I am a hot, brilliant, funny woman who adores football, poker, dirty jokes and burping, who plays video games, drinks cheap beer, loves threesomes and anal sex, and jams hot dogs and hamburgers into her mouth like she's hosting the world's biggest culinary gangbang while somehow maintaining a size two because cool girls are above all hot. Hot and understanding. Cool girls never get angry. They only smile in a chagrined, loving manner and let their men do whatever they want. Go ahead, shit on me. I don't mind. I'm the cool girl. Men actually think this girl exists. Maybe they're fooled because so many women are willing to pretend to be this girl. For a long time, cool girl offended me. I used to see men, friends, co-workers, strangers, giddy over these awful pretender women. And I'd want to sit these men down and calmly say, you are not dating a woman. You are dating a woman who has watched too many movies written by socially awkward men who'd like to believe that this kind of woman exists and might kiss them. I'd want to grab the poor guy by his lapels or messenger bag and say, the bitch doesn't really love chili dogs that much. No one loves chili dogs that much. Uh, and the cool girls are even more pathetic. They're not even pretending to be the woman they want to be. They're pretending to be the woman a man wants them to be. Oh, and if you're not a cool girl, I beg you not to believe that your man doesn't want the cool girl. It may be a slightly different version. Maybe he's a 
vegetarian. So cool girl loves Saitan and is great with dogs, or maybe he's a hipster artist. So cool girl is a tattooed spectacle nerd who loves comics. There are variations to the window dressing, but believe me, he wants cool girl, who is basically the girl who likes every fucking thing he likes and doesn't ever complain. How do you know you're not cool girl? Because he says things like, I like strong women. If he says that to you, he will, at some point, fuck someone else. Because I like strong women is code for I hate strong women. Uh, it's psycho. This is, um, this is completely psychotic. This is completely psychotic uh, in my mind, right? So, okay. Cool girl means I'm a hot, brilliant, funny woman who adores football, poker, dirty jokes, and burping, who plays video games, drink cheap beer. Okay, so so far, right? So far, right? Loves threesomes and anal sex. What are you, a, 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 a um... <laughs> oh. What are you, a Led Zeppelin album, In Through the Outdoor, loves threesomes and anal sex? Who on earth, on, on in God's sane universe, loves threesomes and anal sex? Okay, so, yeah, the cool girl... Women don't know how to be. They don't know how to be, and so when you unmoor women from how to be, how to enjoy and express their natural femininity, they end up complaining that they have to be what men want them to be. But what men want women to be is women, which means be yourself, embrace and enjoy your femininity, your limitations and your strengths, be a woman. Because this idea that you want a man with a vagina, which is kind of what she's talking about here, is insane. Men don't want women with vaginas. That is not what pair bonding and sexual attraction. Men want women to be women, and women want men to be men. I know that's a bit of a tautology, but that's sort of the basic reality. So when she says, I'm not like other girls, she's trying to tell you that, or she's trying to say, I suppose, that, oh, I'm not clingy, I'm not needy, I'm not going to pressure you for children, I'm not going to pressure you to get married. I'm easygoing. I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, no, 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 don't be easygoing. You're basically saying, I guess, as the woman, you're saying, I don't exist. I'm don't, I don't exist. I am either what you want me to be, the chameleon, right? Very dangerous person to be around. Very dangerous person to be around. It's a total Venus flytrap, right? Venus flytraps attract the flies or whatever other insects with this sort of sick sugary sweet scent and then you know close over and suck the juices and spit out the husk and so when people are around and uh, gosh don't you know you just you just think they're wonderful they are who you want them to be they're available they're easygoing they never have any needs they never have any requests and so on they're inviting you to come into this weird false self no time thing yeah, women have a biological clock. It's ticking. They've got to find the right guy. And saying I'm easy, I don't mean sexually easy, but just I'm not like other girls. It's like, I'm not going to put any pressure on you. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't care about having kids. I don't, it's like, come on. What a bunch of nonsense, right? All right. So, sorry. What a bunch of nonsense is not much of an argument, but I think I kind of make that. Let's see here. China is bashing Australia over totalitarian lockdowns. Yeah. Yeah, so China, it's interesting, right? So China has advantages to the West, right? And and this is really important to understand, right? So in China, 
you know you've got a totalitarian government. You know you have this social credit score. You know what you can say. You know what you can't say. And a lot of it is fairly predictable. A lot of it is very. So you don't end up, you know, like I spent 15 years building up a, you know, one man multimedia empire that was reaching an unholy amount of, of people every single month and having, you know, fairly significant significant effects on various things. And I built all of that. And of course, I broke no laws. Uh, I I didn't say anything that wasn't true. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have any issues with the law. And so you'd say, okay, well, if the speech is legal, then I mean, I'm not obviously making threats and, and all of that. So if the speech is legal, then yeah, it should be it should be fine. And if people don't like it, they can get mad at me and they can engage in debates with me or they can trash me or whatever, right? But it's, you know, legal. And so you don't, in China, you wouldn't get drawn into this 15-year investment that gets largely vaporized because an election is coming up. Like they won't invite you in to become prominent and then destroy you. You know ahead of time what your limits are. And so when I built what I built over the 15 years, I was, you know, pretty scrupulous in, in following the letter of the law and making sure I was doing the right thing and and all of that. And so uh, I figured it's legal speech, right? It's legal speech. Does it upset people? Yeah, so what? So communists upset me and they can they can be 40% of professors in, in universities uh, in some humanities. So so in China, you, you know uh, ahead of time. And, uh, you know, people say, oh my gosh, well, you know, America is just this free speech haven, free speech mecca, you see, because, because it's got the First Amendment, you see. So so Congress can make no law abridging freedom of speech, and and the Supreme Court has repeatedly affirmed there's no such thing as hate speech, and so on. It's like, yeah, okay, but you understand, deplatforming is far worse than a hate speech conviction, far worse than it. So you know, in many places, I can't remember what happened to Count Dankula, something like, what do you get, thing for hate speech, and he paid like a nine hundred pound fine, or or I don't know if he paid it or not, but it's you know. A thousand, uh, five five thousand, ten thousand dollar fine, whatever it's going to be, right? So that's it, right? But if if you have built a pretty significant media empire, and you you get toasted, and the toasting generally comes from places like America, then that's much more than whatever fine you'd have to pay for hate speech, right? Because your your whole income gets nuked, right? Which is you know more than a couple of thousand bucks or, or whatever it's going to be, right? And so because America can't go after people legally, it deplatforms them or works, I think, with social media companies to deplatform or the same people are involved in sort of both sides of the aisle. And and that's, see, free speech to me, there's less free speech in America than in most other Western countries. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but they'll just get you deplatformed, which is worse than, than, because the deplatforming is, there's no rules, right? And there's no appeal. There's no legal process. There's no, like you get charged with hate speech, I suppose. You can fight it. You can make your case. You know, lawyers get involved. There's a back and forth, whatever, right? But with deplatforming, it's like they just they fucking toast you, man. You just, you're gone. Gone, baby, gone. You're gone, girl. You are vaporized and no recourse. Uh, no, I mean, I guess you could say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sue or whatever. Right. But you know, that's, that's conservatives or whoever like non-leftists suing social media companies generally doesn't go too well, even when the, even before COVID, when the entire legal system slowed down to a crawl. 
So in China, um, you, you know what the rules are ahead of time and you don't end up, you know, pouring significant chunks of your life into something which can then get completely destroyed and deleted with no warning, no rule following and no recourse. So um, people who think, well, you know, but we're 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 crazy free here and they're crazy not free over there. Uh, you know, tell that to the uh, people who went into the Capitol on January the 6th, who, according to the lawyers reports, have been in solitary and sometimes tortured and uh what they're not even charging any of these guys with insurrection or sedition or anything like that so yeah don't automatically assume that you know well china is just this totally unfree country but boy over here we're just totally free i don't know i don't know about that uh really enjoyed the missing person psychoanalysis show you did yeah i've got i've got another one i've got another one if, if you did like that one that was the woman who um uh, went missing, right? She went missing on the mountain between France and um, Spain? France and Italy. France and Italy, I think it was. Yeah, France and Italy. And uh, yeah, uh, if you want to do more, I'd be happy to uh, to uh, do more of that stuff. I really do like some of that stuff. Steph, where in London did you live as a child? So I lived, um, I guess it doesn't matter now, but I lived at 12 Priory Crescent in Hermitage Road. Uh, well, in Hermitage, uh, not too far from Crystal Palace. Uh, in uh, in London when I grew up, if that matters. Almost would be a great movie. Yes, it would. Yes, it would be. Free Domain Pictures presents Almost. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine the budget? Almost takes place in like six or eight European countries over a quarter century time frame um, from the First World War to the Second World War, inclusive. I mean, it's it's got... Uh, I mean, Daladier, Churchill, um, Anthony Eden, like all, all of the major figures are there. I mean, it would be monstrous, but it would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. Uh, is OnlyFans the worst thing to happen to human society? No, I mean, you got to not trim the tree, but hack at the roots of, of evil, right? So OnlyFans is not the worst thing to happen to human society. What's happened to human society, foundationally and fundamentally, is that risk has been removed from our calculations. Risk has been removed from our calculations. So why, oh why, would a woman in the past not do something like this? I mean, I, you could say technology and so on, but I don't think that's fundamentally it. Why would a woman in the past not do something like this OnlyFans thing? Well, because... Um, she would be unmarriable, like nobody would marry her, right? And, and, or nobody of quality, nobody of reliability, nobody of opportunity and, and all of that would, would marry her. Because, you know, if, if you have um, middle class, upper middle class, upper class goals or pretensions, then you, you, you can't have a woman with a past like that because somebody might find out about it. You could get blackmailed. Like you just, you, this would be a huge liability, right? So uh, the woman would not be able to get to get married. Now, then, of course, she could try and get a job, and, and maybe that would work out, but it could, of course, she could also get the risk of somebody finding these sort of activities in the past, and then that's bad for the reputation of the company, and so, and, and then, okay, so now, what does she do? Well, she just goes on the welfare state, right? Or she just marries some guy who's got money, she, you know, fires the V-cannon at him until he falls over uh, on a marriage bed, and then she might marry him for a year or two, might squeeze out a couple of pups, as they say in in breakfast club and then she just 
takes in for half of all of his money and she lives pretty, right? So there's the welfare state and then there's the family courts and all of this crazy stuff where, you know, it's just so weird. I mean, imagine how you'd be at a job you didn't particularly like if you got paid just as much if you quit as if you went in. Well, why would you bother going in? Why would you bother going in? And uh, so whether you quit or whether you're fired, it doesn't matter. You still have to get paid for the rest of your life or for the next 10 years or whatever it is, right? And that's the family courts, right? If you if you quit the marriage, you don't get paid. Maybe there's some money for the kids, but you don't get paid. There's no alimony if you quit the marriage. Like if I quit my job, I don't get paid, right? So if you quit the marriage, you don't get paid. If you get fired from the marriage, in other words, if the other person divorces you, well, then you also don't get paid, right? I mean, you just don't get paid. And now because what's happened is, see, society doesn't want women to get to look bad, right? Society doesn't want women to look bad. And so if a woman leaves her husband, let's say she got two kids and she leaves her husband, right? And let's say the husband was making $100,000 a year. So the kids have got a pretty, pretty decent, pretty decent lifestyle, right? Pretty decent lifestyle, good lifestyle. And then what happens is the mom leaves the marriage. Well, then the dad is going to be paying, I don't know, a thousand bucks a month in child support or whatever for incidental costs of raising the children. And that's it, right? And then she's going to have to go and get a job. Now, she's not going to get a job making very much. Maybe she gets a job making 30,000 a year. You know, that's, um, what, 2,800 bucks a month or something like that. You throw in another 3,800 bucks a month, whatever. So she's not going to have the kind of lifestyle relative to the dad, right? So the woman is going to leave and then the kids are going to want to stay with the dad because he's making more money plus the woman left. And if they go to the mom, they, they can't do as many cool things. It's a much smaller place. They don't have as many toys. And so the woman then looks bad. So can't have that, right? So when they say for the best interest of the child, what they're saying is whatever doesn't make the children angry at the mom. And so if the dad has to pay massive amounts of money towards the mom, or sometimes it happens what Kelly Clarkson has to pay a huge amount of money towards her ex-husband now. Boy, you know, that level of, uh, man, that level of, of what is it? You've got to pay 200000 bucks a month. It's some, some insane number she's got to pay. Now, imagine, imagine how much you have to dislike someone to pay like $200,000 a month to not see them. Like, here's how much hatred has a number, and it is $200,000 a month. I, I don't know what the exact number is, but it was some, some huge number, some huge number. So, yeah, just for the best interest of the child is so the mom doesn't look bad by uh, by nuking the marriage or anything like that. So we've taken away the risk. We've taken away the risk, right? If if the woman, because the women have to choose men when they're young and in the full bloom of their youthful beauty and sexual market value, they're supposed to choose men. If they don't choose those men, those the good men get picked and they have to end up with the refuse or the, 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 odds, the oddities, the quirkiness, the, you know, the 40-year-old virgins or whatever. And it's going to be pretty tough for them to make a go of it. And if they don't have a husband, they don't have kids, you know, maybe they can be Madame Curie, maybe they can be Ayn Rand. I mean, they could, but, you know, that's that's very few. Very few people have that level of creative genius when it comes to artistic or um, scientific endeavors or business endeavors or whatever, right? And so how is she going to support herself? She's probably not going to make a huge amount of money because she's more clustered around the middle, slightly lower in the bell curve. And because employers in a free market society, right, employers would look at a woman, let's say she's 30, right, and she wants to get a job and she's unmarried, then people would say, well, gosh, 
why why not? Why aren't you married, right? And they would say this to men to some degree as well. So this is not just a female thing. But they look at the woman and say, well, uh, gosh, um, why aren't you married? Why, why didn't anyone want you? Why, you know, what's, what's wrong with you that, that nobody wanted you, right? And it could be that, you know, one in a thousand, it could be that her standards are too high, that, you know, no, no one of high enough quality has come by or something like Could be, could be, right? But again, we have to work the odds uh, as a whole, right? Um, it could be, you know, that the, the guy who's drunk, who wants to drive us home, will get us home safely, probably will, but, you know, we don't want to play those odds, right? So the employer's going to be like, oh, you're 30 and you don't have a husband and you want to work. But of course, in your 30s, what are the odds you're going to get baby rabies and, you know, have what women describe as always being hungry, constantly needing to pee, that, that just real hunger for a baby, in which case you're going to work here for a couple of years, get baby rabies, get married, and then leave the workforce to have your babies. Maybe you'll come back, but if you come back, you're still going to have to run out with the daycare calls and all that, right? So it's going to be kind of tough for women to make a, a lot of money in, in a free society, right? In a free society. And so they're not going to make a lot of money. They're not going to have the support of a husband. They're not going to have the support of their children when they get older. And then what are they going to retire on? So all of these risks, right? All of these risks have been removed. You've got the welfare state, you've got family courts, you've got old age pensions, doesn't matter. You will take care of you, cradle the grave, free health care, free dental care in most places. So yeah, you don't... Um, you don't have to worry about these things. So because you don't have to worry about these things, because you're bulletproof, you can play Russian roulette, right? Because the state has rendered you bulletproof to economic losses, you can go and play Russian roulette, and it's kind of fun. How much does, how much does um, Superman have to worry about uh, tripping and falling? Not much, right? Not much. So I uh, don't blame Momently Vance. It's all, just, it's all just a long shadow cast by all the free stuff that's corrupting everything, right? All right, let's see here. Internalized misogyny. Typically feminine feminine things are to be looked down on. So, I mean, look, the feminists, the, the feminists are just talking about their own dads. The, the, the feminists are just like, very few people can look at the world beyond their own emotional biases. Very, very few people can look at the world beyond their own emotional biases. It takes a lot of work. I mean, you, you've probably done this work. I've done this work. We're not always successful. But we try our, our best, right, to look at the world without emotional biases or without, you know, the fear of the mob impaling your head on a stick because you said something that scares the devil gods of the collective unconscious of the society at the time. So the idea that feminists were talking about patriarchy, it's like, oh, come on, just, you, you don't like your dad. We get, we get it. Okay, maybe your dad was a bad guy or whatever it was, right? So the idea that feminists were talking about men as a whole, I mean, and look, when, when it comes to viewing the world completely objectively without the lens of emotion, very few people can do it. And very few of those very few people can do, who can do it are women because women do see the world through an emotional, passionate lens, which is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing, and in its right place and in its right context, it's essential and a beautiful thing for society. <laughs> but the idea that, I don't know. I mean, the idea that the, the early feminists or feminists now are talking about men in general rather than a man in particular, uh, usually their dad, and by proxy, their mother's choices, I don't know. It's just silly. It's just silly. 
All right. I can't find love. Let's see. Uh, sorry, I don't know how to click on that link. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I am way back. So sorry. OnlyFans women complain they can't get a boyfriend. Oh, OnlyFans is terrible for most women. Like, even even all of this, OnlyFans, terrible for most women. Uh, I actually read this article. I'm going to see if I can uh, dig it up. Um, uh, no, I don't want Canada only. Thank you very much. Um, well, it is also um, it is also really terrible because it's so much focused on usually very young female imagery, right? Like this Belle Dolphin, Belle Dauphin, whatever, the woman who sold her bathwater. I mean, she puts herself forward like a hypersexualized 15-year-old. Like, it's really, really bad as far as this whole mass grooming stuff is that it's really, really uh, terrible as far as all of that stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... It's the um, it's the Pareto principle, right? So what happens, of course, is that a few women make a lot of money from OnlyFans. They have some X factor, I guess the triple X factor or whatever, and they can attract men, and, and so they make a lot of money from OnlyFans. And what they do is they go online and they in a hugely destructive way, they brag about how much money they're making from OnlyFans. And other women are like, oh my God, $20,000 a month, $50,000 a month, $100,000 a month. I want that kind of money. I'm going to set up an OnlyFans account without remembering the Pareto principle. 99% of the money is going to go to 1% of the people. And the odds of you being one of those people are very, very, very low. It's like getting into uh, the, the writing business saying, well, Stephen King is making a fortune. I want that money. It's like, yeah, maybe. But you're probably more likely to win the lottery than you are to make as much money as Stephen King has. So it's a way of drawing women in, but the vast majority of the money in OnlyFans goes to a very tiny number of women. The other women make very little money, yet the damage to their reputations is massive no matter what. It's massive no matter what. So whether you make $10,000 a month on OnlyFans, or like a, like most women, you make a hundred bucks, a couple of hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks a month or whatever. You have to be really dissociated to be able to make money on OnlyFans, right? Because you have to be very much outside your body. And you have to be uh, willing to strike poses and open things that would make a proctologist say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're giving me a Me Too moment. That's too much information for me. Thank you very much. So, yeah, you really do have to be completely dissociated uh, from, from your body, from privacy, from uh, propriety, and, and from any sense of future and your future kids and all of this kind of stuff, right? And there are very few people who are like that. Very few people who are like that, who have the looks, the charisma, the marketing, the business, the dissociation, the uh, whatever, the body type or whatever it's in vogue. And so, yeah, women get involved in this OnlyFans stuff, and it's, you know, the, the destruction is, is permanent of their reputation, right? And it's really, 
uh, it's really uh, it's really terrible. And they get in hoping that they're going to make a whole bunch of money, and it doesn't work. And but their reputation damage is out. And then what they have, of course, is they end up worrying in the future that they're going to get caught out, so to speak. Right? They're gonna they're going to uh, get caught out there, right? So let's see here. Uh, so yeah, OnlyFans is a billion dollar business for sure, without without a doubt. And let's see here. Somebody has done some. Um, so 2019, over 60,000 content creators and 7 million registered users. Uh, probably as of 2020, they've probably gone up to 10 million or or something like that, right? So the average revenue per per creator per month is about 250 dollars. And there's a 20% commission, I assume, right? So let's see here. Uh, according to this article, OnlyFans takes home 60% of the revenue net of processing and fees. So let's see here. Oh, yeah. Almost all the money is made by the top creators. Almost all the money is made by the top creators. So the top accounts make something like $100,000 a month. The median account makes $180 a month, right? The top 1% of accounts make 33% of all the money. The top 10% of accounts make 73% of all the money. It's the 80-14 rule. It's not even an 80-20 rule. It's the 80-14 rule, right? So let's see here. So there's a genie index, right? So an index of zero, everyone makes the same, like total... Communist utopia, utopia, a value of one implies a single greedy guy owns all the wealth, right? One guy owns all the wealth. So zero, everyone's equal. One, a single greedy guy owns all the wealth. Now, the most unequal society in the world is South Africa. That has a Gini index, G-I-N-I, a Gini index of 0 0.68, 0 0.68. The Gini index of OnlyFans is 0 0.83. OnlyFans is less equal than an ex-apartheid state. That's crazy. Right? So why is it so unequal? Well, chancellors make accounts with zero fans, but of course, if you want to make it big, you're a big Instagram star, you take your follower followers from there, right? So let's see here. It's pretty exhausting to be an explicit online content creator, right? So you have to work harder and harder and harder to satisfy your patrons. Plus, they'll often get creepier and creepier as, as their requests go, right? So most accounts on OnlyFans take home less than $145 per month after commission, right? And that's, that's pretty bad, right? So if your medium take-home revenue is $136 per month and you say, okay, $15 minimum wage, the median creator needs to be spending less than nine hours per month on her OnlyFans site to break even. That's like 20 minutes a day, right? But the fans, they want this regular prompt engagement. And yeah, it is like running a business. So you really, really have to uh, work it out, uh, work it hard to all of that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really, uh, it's really terrible. Um, 
So yeah, for a hundred hundred and fifty bucks a month on average, you 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 have sexually explicit material out there in the world forever that anyone can find. And the reason women wouldn't do this is that they would get uh, more money from a husband than they would from OnlyFans on average, and they would also get kids and old age security and pensions and all of that. So yeah, it's it's really sad. All right, let's see here. All right. Curtis Stone, the urban farmer, said that Steph and Vox are great intellectuals of our time with enlightening perspectives. Well, that's very kind. Very kind. Vox Day, yeah, not Vox, the news website. Don't forget, freedomain.locals.com, freedomain.locals.com. You should check it out. Some have argued Socrates took the hemlock because he couldn't speak his mind. Thoughts? Oh, no, gosh, no. So Socrates took the hemlock because he hated the world and his passive aggression got the better of him. So one thing you'll notice when you're reading Plato's account of Socrates, who knows what Socrates, but he probably, see, Plato was writing at a time when people were still alive who knew Socrates, so he probably couldn't get away with making up stuff too much. But Plato was the foundational troll of Western intellectualism, right? Because Plato bloody well knew in his 70s, he knew after spending decades examining the sophists, right, that, that the people who claimed to know truth, virtue, justice, whatever, right, that they were all full of crap, right? He knew that. He knew that for sure. Yet still, when somebody said, as Euthyphro says, when I'm, as I'm reading the um, Trial and Death of Socrates, and Euthyphro says, well, I know what the pi I know what piety is. I know what wisdom is. I know what the good is and what virtue is. Justice, oh, I know them all so well. They're intimate bedfellows of mine. We, we go golfing every Sunday. Uh, so now Socrates knows for a fact that Euthyphro is full of crap. Doesn't have a clue, is totally lying. And so does Socrates say, oh, come on, don't be ridiculous. You don't know. It's not true. Um, you're just making things up uh, and, and so on, right? No. What he says is, wow, you must be so incredibly wise that I, who have been studying these matters for decades, don't seem to have a clue. My head goes round and round, but you have fixed yourself right on the mark and you know and blah, 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 blah. And, and of course, Socrates knows that this isn't true. He knows he knows that it isn't true at all. And so... If, uh, you know, if, if somebody comes at me and says, you know, UPB is false, right? I'm not going to sit there and say, wow, you know, I study, I've been studying philosophy for 40 years. And I've put in 60,000 hours into philosophy. And, and you, who barely trained in it at all, have overturned everything that I foundationally argued about. I, I, I kneel before you and please instruct me in your amazing wisdom. Like, I just wouldn't do that because that's lying. I don't want to lie. Now, Socrates, for whatever reason, could be any number of reasons. I, I don't necessarily fault him for this, but he was a bit of a bullshit art, artist of passive aggression, right? So here's the thing. Socrates, obviously, well, he said a philosopher should get married because if his wife is good and loving, he'll be happy. And well, he said all men should get married because if you have a loving wife, you'll be happy. And if you have a unloving 
hostile bitchy wife, you'll become a philosopher. So Socrates had a shit ton of passive aggression swirling around his ancient Greek innards, and it finally got the better of him because he trained and practiced for his whole life. So at the end of it, at the end of it, after spending his entire life being told that he knew that, that, that other people knew stuff about truth, virtue, goodness, and justice, and piety that they just damn well didn't know. And after people refusing to admit that they were wrong and refusing to submit to the Socratic reasoning, after finding out that the vast majority of people are bullshit artists led by sophists who won't admit they're wrong, after knowing all of this, he says, well, you've got to obey the state. Now, he knows that the state is voted in by all the same people he found were completely lacking in wisdom and humility over the many decades he practiced philosophy in Athens. He knew these people were full of crap, liars and hypocrites all. And yet he said, according to Plato, he said, well, you've got to obey the state. Now, you understand this was his curse on humanity. Yeah, you can kill me. You can kill me. But I will give you a curse that would cause the death of approximately an infinity number of people for the next couple of thousand years. Because Plato's, hey man, the laws protected you. I protect. I was protected by the laws of the city. I'm not going to violate them now. The city is your parent who has good rules and does things. And even if you disagree with those rules, you still have to show allegiance to honor thy mother and thy father, just as you honor thy mother and they father you honor the city and you obey the laws of the city, even if they seem unjust to you in the moment. It's imp- right. So Socrates was like, okay, you guys can kill me at the age of 70. But I'm going to give you a curse that is going to get infinity numbers of you people killed over the next couple of thousand years. Because I have such a reputation for wisdom, when I tell you to obey the state, and to submit to the laws, that is going to cause so many of you, out of respect for me and my wisdom, to submit to the laws and obey the state, that it's going to get billions of y'all killed over the next couple of thousand years. One death for me, a billion for you, or a billion not brought into existence. So, yeah, I'm afraid that his passive aggression got the better of him, and there has never been a better curse in all of humanity than the curse that Socrates gave humanity as a whole. I did this show probably 13 or 14 years ago, The Trial and Death of Socrates. It's a six-part show, fdrpodcast.com. You can go there, and you can uh, get more about it. So, uh, Yes, resend an email, uh, callin at freedomain.com. Callin at freedomain.com. Thank you. Uh, where can I find your prior shows on mental health stats in the West? So fdrpodcasts.com, fdrpodcasts.com. We just revamped the whole lookup uh, search system, so it's actually great. And you can find the videos right below there. Uh, Steph, why would a parent do hurtful things to their children that they themselves complain their own parents did to them? Um, what's well, a that's a Brazilian big-ass question, man. That's a Brazilian big-ass question. So most people don't know how to act. 
So th think of English, right? Think of the language that you, you learn. I assume English if you're listening to this, right? So think of English, right? So you learned English at your mother's knee, at your father's knee, and that's just the language you use. You haven't invented your own language. I mean, most intelligent kids will go through a phase of inventing their own language. I did, my daughter has, and so on. And it's very fun. It's interesting. It's a way of experimenting with stuff. And if you invent enough languages, you can write Lord of the Rings, I suppose. So when you, you, you haven't invented your own language, you just use the language of your forefathers. You use the language and it evolves and it changes a little bit here and there. But the vast majority of it, majority of it stays the same and only a little bit of it changes, which is why it's pretty tough to read Beowulf in the original Old English. But it's not too bad to read Shakespeare. You have to go a little slow, a little patiently, a couple of footnotes. It's not too bad. And um, Jane Austen is very simple and easy to read. And uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, even better, uh, more contemporary and relevant and so on. So the language doesn't change that much relative to how much stays the same. So most people have no clue how to live. And we are a long way from our instincts, right? Our instincts in... The woods might be okay, you know, see things that move, grab things that move, try to eat the things that move, whatever, taste the berries that aren't too bright, whatever it is you're going to do. But we're a long way from our instincts. So most people have no clue how to live. So how do they live? Well, they do what their parents did. Now, they may say, well, I suffered when I was a child. But then they usually squelch that child's suffering because they don't receive any sympathy or empathy from society as a whole with regards to their suffering as children. So they squelch that suffering. And so that suffering, their own, their own suffering as children, is not available to them when they become parents. And in the same way they use 99% of the same words their parents use, they also use 99% of the same parenting their parents use. And this is why we have this slow incremental change. Now, we don't have time for slow incremental change anymore because technology is changing exponentially while parenting is improving in a slow linear fashion. And we just don't have time for that anymore, which is why we're going to kind of shock people out of doing what their parents did and have them invent a whole new language based upon the resurrected suffering of their child, uh, inner child. So I hope that makes sense. All right. I am reading Hold On to Your Kids by Gabor Mate and Newfield. Very good book. Read that one. I haven't read that one. I do like Gabor Mate's uh, books for sure. His book uh, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts was, was excellent at understanding addiction. So. Uh, let's see here. Good Lord, I'm still 20 minutes back. Do any of your real-life friends listen to the live streams? Oh, not really. Uh, yes, yes, of course. One of them, in fact. Uh, more than one is on the show right now as we speak. Hi, James. All right. Feminism was an important part of the foundation of America's destruction. Yeah, for sure, for sure, without a doubt. Uh, how is the great slowdown? Any examples you experience? I had the courier lose two packages recently. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you go to a drive through and what used to be relatively simple now just takes forever, right? My wife likes a small black coffee in a medium cup because she doesn't want to spill it, right? Like a small black coffee in a medium cup. What? Sorry, we'd like a small black coffee, but in a medium cup. A medium coffee? No, no. We'd like a small black coffee in a medium cup. Okay, wait. Uh, I'm going to have to ask. And, and this is your life, right? This is your life. This is your life these days. It's just waiting. And people getting things wrong. 
You know, I went for brunch the other day with my daughter. Uh, I don't have a big brunch. I don't eat much in the morning. And so I had just a piece of toast, a couple of pieces of toast. And, you know, it's like you know, toast on white. Of course, I get toast on rye. I don't mind it too much. It's not the end of the world. And I get jam. It's like, no, no, no. I asked for peanut butter. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll be back. And I'm like, I bet you won't. <laughs> I bet you won't. And, you know, then, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's a great slowdown. Um, it, it just feels like you're lobbing calculus into a kindergarten whenever you just come up with something slightly out of the ordinary. My daughter doesn't like, would like, likes a, a steamed milk, you know, with like a little shot of half a shot of vanilla or something like that. She has one of those every couple of weeks. And we were at a drive through and um, we had gotten one there two weeks before, a steamed vanilla with a little half shot of vanilla. And like, yeah, like a steamed vanilla. Uh, sorry, steamed, a steamed milk with half a shot of vanilla. What? No, what? A steamed, a ste a steamed milk with half a shot of vanilla. Uh, don't think we could do half shots. No, no. We, we got it here like two weeks ago. It's just a steamed vanilla, half a shot, because she doesn't want too much sugar. Okay. No, we don't do that. No, no, we, we did that here two weeks ago. Is there anyone else? We, like, this is your life, right? This is your life. This is your life. These days. Let's see here. My daughter's, my brother's daughter is an empowered woman who cleans toilets at the thrift store. Yeah. So my daughter and I went to get a croissant this morning. And in the coffee shop, uh, I was chatting with the woman. And I said, you know, we've been coming to this coffee shop for a while. You guys have really high turnover here. Like, is this place horrible to work for just out of curiosity? You know, I mean, I don't know if you're the boss or whatever. But like, the, every time we come in here, there's a new face, right? Almost. And she said, no, 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 I've been here for like uh, five. I've been here for five years. And you could say this almost horror, like she just suddenly noticed that. And this is probably a woman who's actually 24 or whatever. An attractive woman, seems like a nice, good-natured woman and all of that. And my daughter was like, oh, that's like the saddest thing. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, oh, it's like, it's half a decade. Half a decade this woman has been slinging coffee in a shop. I mean, how sad is that? And I said, it is actually sad because she you know, seemed relatively smart. She was an attractive woman. She was seemed pretty good natured and all of that, other than the slight shock of moral horror that I, I like to hand out as little pieces of candy. You know, trick or treat. <laughs> trick. You've been here for half a decade. It's time to panic. And yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is kind of sad. Because, you know, here's the thing, too. Like, and I said, you know, what's a, qu a quality guy comes along who's ambitious and, you know, has a great capacity for success. He got educated and so on. And, uh, you know, he meets this woman, you know, at a coffee shop, I guess, some different coffee shop or a bar or something. And they fall to talking. And he says, oh, what do you do? And she says, oh, I work in a coffee shop. And he says, oh, how long have you been doing that? She said, five years. He's going to be like, oh, well, good luck with all of that. Right. She's now loserified herself out of the market. It's really, really sad. All uh, right. I think OnlyFans is the most lucrative job for 99% of young girls. The 1% are 140 IQ regular entrepreneurs. No, no, it's not the Are you kidding me? What a terrible thing to say. God, I hope you haven't been saying that to other people or online. I hope you've kept that to yourself. It is not at all the most lucrative job for 99% of young girls. That is completely false and an incredibly destructive thing to bring out into society. And it's 
absolutely wrong, and you should damn well do your research before you start putting out such atrocious falsehoods that are going to lure people into this kind of hideous work. So, no, it is not the most... Did you look it up? It's 100... On the median, it's 140 bucks a month after commissions. That's the median. That's not people, new young people coming in. That's the median, 140 bucks a month. You don't think uh, even just working minimum wage? Minimum wage, you're going to make $30,000 a year, right? That's a lot more. That's what, 2300 bucks a month or something like that? So, no, you're, you're way off. You're off by nearly a factor of 20. So, no, my God, it is not the most lucrative job for 99% of young girls. Absolutely false. And dear God, you should not put, like, be responsible for the things that you put out there in the world. People, do some research before you start saying stuff. Um, yeah, you can make, you can, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But here's the thing, right? You can only make more money on OnlyFans by being completely unmarriable down the road, right? So it's, I guess, kind of like a tattoo, except with a camera up your butt, because, yeah, I guess it gives you some weird benefit in the here and now among certain people, but <laughs> what's that What's that thing where it's an old sort of, it's not kind of an old meme, it's like a text message back and forth, where the guy is asking the girl out for dinner, and she says, by the way, you should know... I I do OnlyFans, but it's not porn. I just it's not like it's just some nudity and, and stuff like that. And he's like, No, I don't I don't want to take you out for dinner. He's like, Why not? It's it's not dirty, it's just some nudes and so on. He's like, Why on earth would I pay 150 bucks for a night out with you when I can go home for seven bucks and see you naked anyway? Kind of important. Well, and here's the thing too, like we know how bad OnlyFans is for women, but it's it's bad for men, too. It's bad for men, too. Because your brain doesn't know that it's a screen, right? That's the whole basis of pornography, right? And, and action movies. Like, your brain doesn't know it's a screen. And so, for men, they get these, like, genetic freaks of top-tier attractive women that, what, end up marrying Scott Adams or something like that. But they end up with these, like, top one in a thousand levels of attractive women who then interact with them. And their brains are like, hey, maybe I've got it. So you're saying there's a chance, right? I got a shot. And it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't have a shot. You've no shot. You've no chance. No chance whatsoever. But you don't know that. So what happens is you've just recalibrated your brain to the point where an average-looking woman is now ugly to you. Whoopsie. <laughs> Whoopsie. Bad call. Bad call. An average-looking woman of the kind that most men will get, right? Most most men are average. Most women are average. So most men will end up with an average-looking woman. But what you've done, it's like, it's like calibrating your entire taste buds to sugar, salt, and fat. It's like, okay, well, now just like a regular salad probably just tastes like cardboard to you. You have completely changed your metric. You've completely changed what, you know, now, now you've got this, your brain has this fantasy. Well, we're going to hold out for a woman as attractive as Sofia Vergara, or what I know she doesn't do OnlyFans, but whatever it is, right? Which is basically saying to boomers, hey, if you allow massive immigration, you could end up with a wife with big tits. Anyway, so there's all of this stuff that men are completely rewiring their brains and 
completely blowing any realism out of the kind of women they can get a hold of, right? Kind of, sorry, get a hold of the kind of women they can date and marry. So if you know, if you're a five, on average, you'll marry a five. If you're an eight, you'll marry an eight. I don't just mean looks. I mean there's a bunch of other things. But and so the OnlyFans girls, where they interact, right? The the, the top tiered ones, right? They have this weird ability. I would assume. I don't know. I've never done this, but I would assume that they have this weird ability to make you feel like you're the only guy in the room, right? Like like you're the only like they they get bedroomized or that that sort of weird psycho charisma thing where they just have this ability to stimulate you into believing that they're looking at you and interacting with you and talking with you and 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 really appreciative of the kindness and they're just able to milk the shrinking soy-based gonads of betas so that the betas feel like they're not just carrying water for the queen but somehow have shot with her and that rewires the betas brains to think that you know then the beta goes out and there's some you know dumpy looking woman who gives them the eye and they're like Oi. No, are you kidding me? I just gave 50 bucks to Belle Dauphin. You think I'm going to ask you out on a date? And like, whoopsie, like you just completely fried your entire social metrics. So it's really, really terrible. All right. Uh, what else are we here? The low owners are probably doing it as a side gig, though. Oh, my God. You should shut up about this stuff, man. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound harsh. Antoine, shut up about this stuff. They're not doing it as a side gig because nobody, nobody who's even remotely sane is going to put sexually explicit photos of themselves online for a hundred bucks a month. Nobody. It's not a side gig like, oh, well, I got a second job. It's like, no, you are putting like the future liability of this, right? I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I saw this, this, uh, this kid who was like 12 or 13 whose mom ran an OnlyFans site and he's like humiliated, unbelievably humiliated at school, right? Come on. For a hundred bucks a month or whatever, give or take, you're going to put, you know, puckered butt with a flash online? you got to be kidding me. What does that do to, to future employment? What does that do to, what is that? I remember Dr. Phil a long time ago, there was this woman who did porn and then she became a teacher. And when the parents found out that the teacher did porn in the past, they were outraged. And Dr. Phil was really grinding her down, even though his sons ended up marrying a woman who'd done nude stuff on the internet. But anyway, that's, you know, typical kind of two-faced right? stuff. So no, it's not a side gig. It's not a side gig. They want to get the big bucks, but... They don't understand the Pareto principle because it's never taught in school and all that, right? Yeah, so a prostitute, yeah, you. so you could be a prostitute, God-forsaken profession as well, and I really have a lot of sympathy for everybody involved in this mess. But a, you're right about that, Lucy. I mean, a prostitute, um, you, you, you know, you're, you're dressed up in so much makeup and you may be unrecognizable in later situations, but it's more private, right? I guess it could be the case that you're going to run into one of your Johns down the road or whatever, but... This is crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy. Then the OnlyFans girls making 100K a month want a top guy making 100 million a month. Well, yeah, so that's the thing too, right? This is a big paradox I talked about well over a decade ago on my show, which is that for women, they want to go and get educated and they want to go and, and get a master's degree. And it's like, well, then they're never going to get together with a guy who's just got a high school education, even if he's a self-employed plumber making $150,000 a year. 
they're going to want a guy with a master's degree. So hypergamy kicks in, right? The women only look up. They only look up. And that's why, that's a beautiful thing about women. It's why we're not in the caves anymore. They only look up. So by the time the woman has graduated with her master's degree and established herself a couple of years later, she's well past 30. Boy, then, boy, God, she's well past 30. And she's going to want a guy who makes more. And, and But those guys who make more don't want some guy, some woman who's had 10 boyfriends who's 30, right? 30, 32, 33 or whatever, right? So really terrible. Let's see here. A lot of the top paid accounts make custom cosplay, cosplay, costume play, and new scenarios, lots of makeup and steady content. Yeah. Uh, what do OnlyFans girls do when it's that time of the month? Well, I assume that they would produce extra content to cover that time. Strippers make may more than that for nine hours of work a week. But that's the other thing too with strippers, right? Again, strippers are, I mean, they often have very unhealthy lifestyles, but they have amazing physiques, right? I remember, gosh, many years ago, I was on vacation and there was a woman who just had a, a fantastic physique. I was playing beach volleyball with her and I was chatting with her and she was like, oh, it's crazy. I, I don't even work out. Like I've tried to, I've worked out and it just gets even more ridiculous. Like I just get an even, even bigger, like a more toned button, even flatter. And she had a great figure, right? And that was just, that was her just not even working out. Just like crazy, freaky, good figure thing, right? Or like that Julia Roberts thing from Notting Hill where it's like, yeah, I've been hungry for 20 years because I'm a movie star. So what happens if you're around a stripper, of course, is you get used to this perfectly toned hypersexuality stuff, and then regular women look ugly to you. Regular women look ugly to you. That's not good. I, I did interview with one of the Tate brothers talking about crazy addiction fans, the cam girls. Yeah, I don't think that was the Tate brother who dated Jordan Peterson's daughter. And of course, there is a lot of uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, guys who troll the OnlyFans people by reporting to, or OnlyFans girls by reporting them to the IRS. All right, freedomain.com forward slash donate. <laughs> Sign up, freedomain.locals.com. No nudes guaranteed for now. If someone asks me for nudes, I just sent them a photo of some naked mole rats. <laughs> that's, uh, unless that's what they're into. Right? Uh, could you analyze the state of science? It seems more like a tool for the government than a method of discovering truth now. Cult-like. No, come on, don't insult cults. Uh, it's, it's not fair to put science in the same category as a cult because a cult still remains voluntary, right? Cults aren't funded by taxpayer money, right? Cults may lie to you. But cults can't take money from you by force, like the government can. Yeah, science uh, had a brief flourishing of, of privately funded fantastic stuff from 17th century to maybe mid-20th century. So yeah, 200, 250 years or whatever, it was pretty pretty good stuff. And that's really was the basis of a lot of the great stuff that we have now. And, you know, the usual thing happened. The government took over with these big projects. They're going to build all the roads. And so that was engineering to some degree, but they needed all the weaponry uh, in the First and Second World War. And uh, 
and then they um uh, they wanted to get to to the moon and the, the NASA and all that, right? So, yeah, the government has just taken over uh, science, and so it's like the devil's bargain, right? It gives you free stuff and then you pay for it, right? So the, there's a a massive influx of money into the sciences, and so the science money should be very scarce, it should be very scarce, and science money should never be from the government because there's no private citizens, no no large enough group of private citizens that would fund gain-of-function fucking bad coronavirus research, like for Christ on a stick's sake, sorry for the blasphemy, for heaven's sakes. I mean, that's just unbelievable to think that the National Institute of Health was reportedly funding gain-of-function research in a communist dictatorship, no less, of bad coronaviruses. Boy, well, you know, because if we get a pandemic, we have to be ready. Oh, my God. Nature had pleasantly buried those back coronaviruses deep in caves 700 miles from Wuhan. And then apparently it just it just showed up in Wuhan when the bats were hibernating because, you know, they often sleep ski 700 miles uphill. Uh, so, yeah, that's, they're just amazing, amazing creatures. So, no, money that goes to science should be incredibly scarce, just like the money that goes to the arts should be incredibly scarce and the money that goes to higher education should be incredibly scarce to make sure that it only goes to the very best people. And it should always be voluntary because it's so weird. It's like, you know, uh, how much of science fiction is, you know, well, really dangerous technology ended up destroying the world. Skynet, robots from the future. Oh, really dangerous technology, nuclear weapons, really dangerous technology uh, ended up destroying the world. It's like, yeah, but let's totally fun. Let's totally fund bad coronavirus gain of function research. That's fucking excellent. Great job, everyone. Oh, because, you know. It's been 70 years that we've had flu vaccines, and we still have the flu. Well, actually, no, we don't seem to have the flu anymore. It seems to have quite vanished. In the general, we'll pay you 30 grand for a COVID diagnosis uh, haze of the pandemic. So, no, science is, um, you know, the, the money goes to um, the money goes to the government, and then the government doles it out to compliant sciences, scientists. And if you and science departments. And so if you don't follow the government's agenda, you get cut off and your career is destroyed and your department is destroyed and you're toast. Like, of course, Anthony Fauci hands out grants for infectious disease experiments. So funnily enough, a lot of the people in the infectious disease field find themselves quite in alignment with Anthony Fauci. Isn't that remarkable? It's such a coincidence. It really is. Such a coincidence, like science is something to be followed. Follow the science. Like the science is just a pied piper in the current scenario, leading us all off a fucking cliff. It's all completely mad. It's all <laughs> completely mad. And here's another thing, too. So, you know, there's, I mean, it's three things that professors do, right? Or academics, there's three things that they do, right? They, they teach, they do research, and they do administration, right? Like the policies and, and, and how the university runs and all that kind of stuff, right? Now, if you're really good at research, they'll cut back on the other two, right? If you're really good at research, you make a lot of money to the university from government grants, they'll say, okay, you don't have to teach as much. Oh, don't worry about that administrative stuff. My God, the better you are as a scientist, the less you should be teaching and for sure, the less you should be doing all that boring administrative. We'll take that administrative stuff totally off your plate. Don't worry about it. It's easy peasy, right? But then, of course, what happens is because the people best at the actual science, which doesn't mean moral, it just means the best get, best at getting grants these days. But the people best at the science end up handing over the reins of the actual administration of the university 
to crazy leftists who are not as good at science, right? This is where a lot of this crazy stuff is coming in to universities these days. And so the students end up taught often by less competent people or people less good at, at science as it stands now. And for sure, the administration of the university is taken over by the people who are pretty crappy at science, but very good at politics and abuse and uh, reporting people and filing grievances and all this kind of crazy shit that passes for negotiation uh, these days. So, yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely, completely, and totally brutal. The population has been enslaved to be forced at gunpoint to fund the science that is virtually ensuring the destruction of many of them, and it's unbelievably, unbelievably terrible. So, And, of course, so let's say you, you get a bunch of money from the government. Does the government want you to talk about IQ? Do the, the people, the socialist leftist hysterics, do they want you to talk about IQ? They don't. So if you propose talking about IQ, you'll be completely and totally shut down. And um, that's what they call science these days. Now it's all just nonsense. Well, worse than nonsense, but uh, nonsense is probably the best way. Wasn't Socrates' wife an egg? Yeah, yes, she was. Apparently, right? Apparently. Some men send dick pics to random girls. One weird kid I went to went to jail for two years. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That kind of stuff can be pretty bad, right? Um, yeah, the dick pics thing, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'll tell you the saddest moment I had. There's nothing to do with a dick pic, of course, because uh, <laughs> you know my camera's that big for me. But I remember once, this is just a fleeting thought that crossed my mind. There was this really attractive girl. And by attractive, I don't just mean looks. But, you know, you get an aura or a sense about someone like they, you know, they, they seem to be buoyant or peppy or positive in spirit or whatever, right? So I'm pulling out of my parking spot in my, I used to have a, Volvo S70, a 98 red one. It's really, really nice car. Kind of bit of a lemon. Fell apart fairly well over the years. But I had that car for like 13 years or whatever. And I was pulling out. I saw this this girl. And I literally had the thought. I obviously wasn't even close to doing it. But I had the thought. And I said, you know, if I bump her fender, I can get her number. <laughs> and it sounds like one of these funny, oh, how did you meet? Oh, it's the strangest thing. He bumped into my fender. I gave him his number. He called me up. He was so sweet, so apologetic. We ended up meeting for coffee, and he was just charming. Like, you have this whole unrolling fantasy, right, of like, well, if I – it's like, how, how sad. Like, <laughs> this is where your level of – I'll ram her <laughs> so that I can ram her. But no, it's like that's that's a sad level of game. But nothing is, is more pitiful a level of game than a dick pic. Like, a dick pic is just uh, – I don't know if you've watched too much porn – uh, I don't know if you were sexually abused as a child, although probably in that situation, but the idea that that is anything other than repulsive to a woman is, uh, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. Really tragic. It's a stream over. When the music's over. Would you talk Socrates out of saying that if you had the chance? Oh, yeah. But I probably wouldn't have any luck because he was really embedded in uh, his emotional dysfunction. Oh, you had your audio muted? Yeah, well, that might give you the indication. Uh, what is the probability of the culture turning against degeneracy? 100%. 100% the culture is going to turn against degeneracy. I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, it's going to take running out of imaginary made-up fiat fantasy money but yeah degeneracy is what we call infinitely funded bad choices right 
So if, if you have a wife who's got a lot of money, her husband's a drug addict, and she pays for all of his drugs and means he never has to work, she's only able to be, quote, degenerate because she's funding everything, right? So if the government's doing the same thing and funding all of this terrible behavior, no, the behavior is going to end when the money ends. Um, society always writes itself eventually. It's just kind of brutal to, uh, to go through it that way. All right. Black coffee. Yeah, I'm not a fan of black coffee myself. Uh, my wife and I want to homeschool this year. Are there any programs or resources you recommend? Well, I mean, outside of, you know, get a curriculum, follow the curriculum as best as you can. Uh, just, you know, if you're passionate about stuff, share that passion with your kids, share that information with your kids, all that kind of stuff. Well, I think that's uh, really, really good. I am way behind. Oh, my. Sorry, I don't seem to... Uh... Can I zoom this out a little? Oh, my gosh. Difficult to find a quality guy, though. Yes, it is. So be as high a quality woman as you possibly can be and relentlessly say no. Relentlessly say no. Uh, let's see here. Steph, would you prefer it if the coffee shop girl dedicated her 20s to education, thus delaying never having a family? No. What's with all these false dichotomies? I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be a coffee shop or feminist studies. <laughs> you know, like all these women who are like, there aren't enough women in science. Are you in science? No, I took women's studies. Well, then shut up. <laughs> You're not even part of the problem. You are the problem. Oh, dear. Let's see here. Uh, I remember on Twitter when Steph dropped the truth bomb on Mindy Robinson for wasting her youth doing softcore movies and not having kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of women is supposed to end up with the sperm inside them, not on some piece of Kleenex on some loser's basement couch. Your philosophical breakdown of Bioshock was super interesting. Would you do any other games? I might do some more Bioshock if I get uh, if I get around to it. Um, but yeah, if you have other games, uh, operationsoffreedomain.com, you can send me some emails and I'll have a look. I'm 22, probably 7 out of 10 attractiveness. Only male attention I get is from creeps in their 50s or autistic guys. Never had a relationship. Oh, Lucy, call in, man. Oh, sorry. I mean, call in, young lady. <laughs> I'm sure we can help you out with that. I'm sure we can help you out with that. Let's see here. Lucy in the sky with artists. Let's see here. I dumped a girl that did OnlyFans. She was really hot, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the devil is pretty, right? But you pay for it. Yay, I'm finally here for Steph Live, and I'm only 15 minutes behind. I did see your question about science. Sorry, I'm so late. Let's see here. Uh, Steph, why do some people get really offended when they say you don't really like the movie game book they like? Do they feel rejected? Yeah, it's really sad. So, uh, you know, we're tribalistic, and people identify with particular things, and... When because they've ego identified with particular things, then when you reject those things, you reject them, right? I mean, it's a story I've mentioned before. When I was a very little kid, some kid was in my face about his team, West Ham. Uh, my team was Crystal Palace in, in football, soccer, and they were pretty terrible. I don't think they made it much out of the third division, but uh, he was like, you know, West Ham, 
rules. Crystal Palace sucks. Crystal Palace rules. And I was like, but you just come from there. I, I, I was born here. You were born there. Like, you didn't. Do you play soccer? Are you on the team? No. <laughs> you just came from, like, what are you talking about? Like, you taking pride in something that's completely accidental? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, like gay people, they say that they're born gay. Okay, okay, but then why would you have pride in something you're born in? I mean, you can't have pride in the race you're born in, right? Right? Right. Anyway, so, yeah, it's um, they've ego-identified. What you want to do is ego-identify with virtue, and that way when people reject virtue, you can get offended and reject them because they're rejecting virtue and thus will be terrible companions on the road of life. But you don't want to get into all of that other stuff, right? Like our movies or stuff like that, so. Uh, let's see here. Can I? Sorry, I'm just seeing if I can put the chat in here anywhere. What's a brother supposed to be? I have two adopted low IQ siblings, but they don't feel like brothers to me. Parents insist we are. Yeah, sorry about that. I assume that's because of um, the parents' preference that it's more convenient for them, right? It's, you know, you, you, so a certain IQ spread is fine. It's going to be inevitable. There's always IQ spreads. Nobody's exactly your IQ, or if they are, it's probably in just slightly different areas. But uh, you start talking a standard deviation, uh, even half a standard deviation, standard deviation or more, uh, it's probably not going to work. It's probably not going to work. Uh, somebody said, oh, this is Antoine. Sorry, I'm probably going to have to nag you again. Sorry for claiming that OnlyFans alone was extremely lucrative for young girls. I should have said selling sex in general. What are you talking about? What kind of freak show do you live in, man? Are you saying, and look, are you saying that, that the, the, like a lot of, a lot of young girls you know are prostitutes? Where the hell are you living? What kind of social circle are you in with them? I, I've never known a prostitute in my entire life. I've never known a, a prostitute. And look, I mean, come on. A woman who's going out for dinner and ends up sleeping with a guy, that's not a prostitute. That's not a prostitute. So I don't know, man. I, I don't know what kind of environment you're in where selling sex for cash is something that is a thing. Please, change. <laughs> your environment please change your society oh my god what a nightmare all right let's see here oh my gosh does the time fly do you really think that modern china could be described as communist i don't know i don't care <laughs> i don't care it's a state uh Steph, the COVID variant here went from 1% to 86% in two weeks. Yeah, go look up Alberta courts. Um, you know, you've got a lot of faith in numbers. I think that's very nice. Very nice for you. I, I wish I could have your faith. I'm sure it's lovely. All right. They need an IMAX camera for my dick pic. So for me, I mean, it would need to be the Hubble and I'd need to be orbiting Jupiter, something like that, I assume. All right. Or maybe I am in the future and those are the rings of Saturn. I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't like black coffee. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. If, if uh, pregnant cows aren't suffering, I can't suck back the caffeine, I'm afraid. All right. Would you ever date a Marxist female if she was hot? Oh, my gosh. I've had that temptation. Of course I have. So I was traveling, and a, a communist woman was uh, hot for um, uh, a little uh, a little slice of the staff meat. And, uh, yeah, I had to, like, no, 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 she's she's a communist. Uh, and, and part of that was, like, just ideological disgust. And the other part was, like, yeah, and she's probably insane. So that's probably not a, not a good thing. Um, you don't want to wake up with one of your balls in your ear, right? Unless you're into that, in which case, hey, man, I, actually, I will judge you. Sorry, I totally will judge you on that. But uh, and, and another time, I, I needed legal advice in the business world, and I went to a lawyer. I actually knew her in university, and oh, she was really attractive. And, you know, we, we kind of got along and, and all of that. And, um, you know, she was, like, dropping hints that we should uh, go for a coffee or whatever. And, and, uh, um, and then I saw, you know, a, a socialist poster um, in her office, and I was like, oh, is that yours? And then, oh, yes, you know, I'm a very committed socialist and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's nice for you, I guess. But I'm not going for coffee with you. So, yeah, no, and they were both very attractive women, but no, no, thank you. No, thank you. More Bioshock? Yeah. Can you do the philosophy of Miss Pac-Man? Well, you know she's bulimic, right? Because she keeps eating and never gains any weight, so that's not good. The little glowing dots of uh, vomiting. I assume that, yeah, the ghosts are her conscience. I will call in when I have enough courage. No, you will have courage when you call in. Uh, that's, that's not how it works. You don't wait for courage to accumulate, like the tide coming in, and then the boat gets lifted. Courage is when you act. Uh, despite fear, right? You, if you wait for the fear to dissipate, then you don't need courage. Courage is what you need to do when you're scared, right? So call in. Uh, it'll be it'll be great. I absolutely promise you. I absolutely promise you. All right. Speaking of society, I've come to the realization that most of the progress of the 20th century is pushed against the will of the people. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, so if you look at America, right? It's a majority Christian country. How many Christians run the major institutions, particularly the major cultural institutions? All right. Oh, my. Okay, when I catch up, I will end the show. Let's see here. The worst argument you ever heard? Oh, communism, for sure. I'm going off the conversation you have with Christian Tate. He revealed that average girls make banks selling virtual sex. <clears throat> but they're not average girls, man. They're not average girls. They're average girls who show their baby makers on, on cams. They're not, I, I don't know any women who've ever been involved in any of this, ever. I mean, I guess I saw, I watched Paris, Texas once. Because I like Ray Cooter's guitar, and Ray Cooter's gliding car is a thing of beauty. But, no, they're not average girls. I mean, I know what you mean, like they're average looking or whatever, but no, they're not average girls. They are um, very, very unusual girls who look average. 
A lot of marriages are similar to prostitution. Man makes money for the wife just to have sex. Oh, gross. What a horrible thing to say. That marriages are similar to prostitution? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry that, that you have this perspective. I mean, or, or, or that this is the marriages that you know. Good Lord. I mean, I guess I must just be fortunate, I suppose. I'm going to be more than just fortunate or whatever, but... No, um, no, uh, it, it's not that way at all. So men make resources, and they do provide them to women, but fundamentally, uh, although sex is definitely allure, uh, but, see, allure and alluring, anyway. But, yeah, so for sure, sex is allure, but it's for the raising of children and the running of households. Marriage is around the raising of children. A sex is part of the glue that keeps the pair bond together, which is why you continue to have sex even when the wife is post-fertility and so on, but... No, it's it's about the pair bonding necessary for the healthy and productive and safe raising of children. So saying this is somehow similar to prostitution, when the wife stays but you pay the prostitute to leave and don't have to woo her, whereas you have to woo your wife and all of that, I mean, that's that's like saying that taxation is the same as the free market because money changes hands in both situations. I mean, you got to go just a little bit uh, deeper than that. All right. Uh, any show presentation in particular you would give a 22-year-old male who wants to be a high-quality provider but feeling directionless? Well, um, do you have addictions, social media, pornography, alcohol, drugs? Maybe the directionless comes from the fact that you're depleting yourself, chasing endorphins rather than achieving them from actual things in the real world. So I would look at that, right? I should play Xeno Gears? All right. I will look into that. Boom, boom, boom. What do you think the end game is with Biden canceling rent? Well, I mean, it's it's to destroy small businesses, right? I, I sort of mentioned this before, so I won't really go into any detail here. But small businesses of various economic and empirical and taxation-based reasons uh, want smaller and smaller government. And so when you destroy small businesses, you destroy financial support and political support for the Republicans or the conservatives or the Tories or whatever, right? So, yeah, it's all that, right? Oh, plus, of course, you know, I mean, the, the, if you look at, like, one guy owns an apartment building and maybe 300 people live there, right? So the 300 people outvote the one guy, so they'll get what they want, right, in a democracy. My dick is evidence space isn't real. <laughs> My dick is so big it only plays stadiums, all right? Uh, what is it about Billie Eilish that you find so fascinating? Is it dark music and lyrics? Oh, yeah. She's definitely something from another dimension of, I think, rampant child abuse. I'm not talking about her parents. I don't know anything about her family, but she's basically talked about, like, everybody that she knows has had creepy stuff in their past. And, yeah, I mean, she is definitely a um, a sort of haunting and hypnotic siren of, of almost like a siren of Satan, like almost like what what uh, Ulysses would have to stop his ears up to prevent himself from swimming out to get dashed along the rocks, right? Because some of her music can be um, not quite pretty, but haunting, and, and has the melodies are, are wonderful. Except, I actually, I bet my daughter $5. She's like, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, oh, there's a new Billie Eilish al album out, right? And I said... 
I bet you I'd like a song on there. She's like, no, I don't think so. And I don't think so. I don't think so. And I said, because I had mentioned to her that I liked Billie Eilish, so she kept her ear out for a new album. And I said, I bet you, I bet you I would like a song. Often the second albums aren't usually that good, right? After a big hit, like When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? There's usually, it's not, not good. The next album, for a variety of reasons, we have to get into here. Anyway, so I bet her five bucks. And she says, you know what? I bet you it's not going to be any good, right? So anyway, I said, look, we'll pay the first 20 seconds of every song. And if I like one, maybe 30 seconds of every song, if I like one, then you give me five bucks. If I don't like any or find them all really boring and bad, then I will give you five bucks. Well, she walked out of that five bucks richer because it's totally meandering. There's no melody. I mean, the, the whole spark is gone. And, and I guess the devil, in a sense, did his destructive work with her previous albums. And... um He's withdrawn his gifts from her and her brother, I suppose. All right. Yes. Uh, send your emails in. Um, it, it you know when they when they go down a little ways, uh, and also like if you send your email in, like send your Skype ID and availability, just saying, I want to call in, like, like give me a Skype ID, give me some availability. That's going to make it much more likely that you get in. Right. So somebody says, yes, yeah, Stefan and crew kind of pushed me into doing a call when I was scared to do it. It was life changing to be honest. Yes, it should be. It should be. It should be. All right. Hey, Steph, why do we only focus on the provisioning parental investment side of hypergamy? Not, Sexual short-term strategy. Um, love to answer that question if I had any clue what you were talking about. 24-hour stream. Let's go. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Maybe when I was younger. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Freedomain.locals.com. I'll I'll do a live stream uh, later this weekend, probably, or maybe Monday. And um, we'll have a, a chat there as well. I'm horribly shy and cry easily when discussing challenging personal topics. And so what's wrong with your what's wrong with your tears? What's wrong with your tears? I mean, plants grow from the rain and our future sometimes grow from our tears. There's nothing wrong with you. What's wrong with crying? What's wrong with being upset? Nothing. NTC, almost 43K US dollars. Oh, do you mean Bitcoin? Is that right? Is that right? I'm sorry. I must leave you now and go and check the price of the Bitcoins. Itty bitty bitty coins. Oh, look at that. Broke $54,000 Canadian. $54,000 Canadian. That is not too bad at all. Let's see here. Yeah, not too bad at all. All right. I love all the call-in shows. I learn so much. And so do I. That's why I like still doing them, right? Why would you want to edit the crying out of the call? I've cried on these shows, right? Yeah, you'll feel fine. You'll feel fine. I'm very easy to talk to. Is it wrong to be intolerant of blissful ignorance? Uh, no. No. Steph, you're the only fierce intellectual life in my life. There is no one in my life that is like me. Oh. That's very nice. Oh, the mother murder one with the guy who called in. I have stopped using all drugs except coffee since listening to the show. I've dealt with the trauma. Well, I appreciate that. Um, that's wonderful to hear. And congratulations, by the way. And, you know, coffee's not really a drug. Thank God. It's like saying food is a drug. All right. 
Let's see here. Oh, am I catching up? I'm catching up. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Love you, Steph. Wife and I listen together in the living room. Well, that's good. I'm glad it's the living room, not the bedroom. Or am I? Hard to say. Hard to say. All right. Thank you guys so much for a wonderful chat this evening. And uh, I really appreciate uh, everyone's questions and uh, support. Freedomain.com slash donate. Freedomain.com slash donate. If you would like to help out, I would massively appreciate it. And um, thank you for dropping by tonight. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure indeed. And have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And I will talk to you. Uh, well, certainly next Wednesday and probably before then, because I've got a whole bunch of shows to get out. Oh, I am so backlogged. But if you want to get the backlog, again, freedomain.locals.com, they're there as well. So lots of love from here. Take care. Bye.